is up? What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Run Your Way. I'm your host, Chase Coleman. And after many, many conversations with many young professionals and college students and us going through this new time, what we like to call the great resignation, I decided to give away my Landing Your First Job webinar for free today through our podcast and through our YouTube channel. So that way everybody has this content. I believe that this content should be free. It should be out for the public. This is a webinar that I've given multiple times at many different universities to help other college students understand how to go about landing your first job. Today, we're gonna to talk about personal branding. We're gonna talk about hard and soft skills. We're gonna talk about networking. We're gonna talk about attacking that first job and any other job early in your career in a very tenacious way. And with that, I'm gonna switch this over and we're gonna start talking about landing your first job. So first we're gonna hop into the agenda. As I mentioned, we're gonna talk about building your resume and your personal brand. This is gonna be talking about hard and soft skills, personal branding. After that, we're gonna talk about attacking your first job strategically. You have to have a plan in order to get your first job. It's no longer a time where you could just spray and pray, which is what I like to call it. No longer do you get to just blanket, send out your application and your resume, and then you get a job. So we have to go about this strategically. And the only ways to do it is through understanding your priorities and through networking. And then lastly, I have some quick COVID-19 tips because if I could get a job during COVID-19 and through the pandemic, then so can you. I'll talk about some tips that I have for virtual interviewing and some other things around COVID that have really changed the corporate landscape that we will discuss a little bit. So it's always nice to remember that landing your first job is always the toughest no matter what industry it is. Once you conquer this, then you're well on your way. So before we get into this, I have a question for you guys. Skills, hard versus soft. What do you think is more important when it comes to landing your first job? Is it the hard skills or the soft skills? I have the definitions below and I'll read them to you. Hard skills are teachable and measurable abilities such as writing, reading, math, or the ability to use computer programs. Now, soft skills are etiquette, communication and listening, and getting along with other people. Now, take a moment. Which one do you think is more important when it comes to getting a job? Well, I don't have an answer for you yet, so you got to stay, stay along with me on this, because first off, we're going to talk about this whole three to five years of experience. How in the world is this possible? Well, you know how it's possible? It's called hard skills. So I've had many, many different conversations with many different partners at Starbucks, um, which is the corporation, a corporation that I used to work at, many HR partners across multiple corporations um, in the United States to understand a little bit more about this three to five years of experience on entry level positions. And what I've come to find is that three to five years of experience is nothing but a mere filter. What filter, Chase? This is a filter to stop students and upcoming graduates from just applying for any and every job. Like I said, spraying and, spraying and praying. By having three to five years of experience listed, applicants are typically more engaged and willing to accept the role offered to them because they are genuinely interested in the position. So next up, I'm gonna talk a little bit about hard skills. Now, remember from the last slide, hard skills are teachable and measurable abilities such as writing, reading, math, or the ability to use computer programs. So these are going to be skills that are actually listed on your resume, hard skills. These skills could be anything around data analysis, technical experience, social media management, content creation, et cetera. These are all things that you have done. And the best way to go about this is through this next exercise I'm about to take you through. 
So think about this. Think objectively about your past and current internships, jobs, and organizational experience that you've had. Write down all of the experiences on projects and your involvement to them. Every single one, even if you had a very minute task involved in the project, write it down. It's always easier to write more down and then scale back than it is to write down less and scale up more. So now that we have our hard skills done, let's get on to the soft skills. So as I mentioned, the most important thing to find out during an interview is if they're a cultural fit. I had many conversations with HR managers across many different co corporations, and they let me know that the cultural fit is one of the key things for entry-level positions, particularly when hiring directly out of college. So to answer the poll, soft skills are equally as, as important as hard skills, and if not more important. Now, why? That's because these are skills that are not listed on your resume, but they're so, so important to share. So you guys are looking at me like, Chase, if they're not listed on my resume, how the hell am I going to share them? Well, remember this. Soft skills show companies interviewing, one, your problem-solving skills, two, how well you work with people, and three, how well you deal with ambiguity. So if these don't go on my resume, how do I showcase them? You showcase them through storytelling. And I have a formula for you on how to storytell on your resume and on your LinkedIn. So my formula is very, very simple, and it's three parts. One, it's what you did, plus two, how you did it, plus three, the results. Now, this is an actual bullet point off of my resume from my first ever job that I had as a brand specialist at Tivana. Now, Tivana is, was a, a business that was owned by Starbucks. I was working on the retail business, and I was working on the marketing team. Now, my example for you is I launched Tivana's first sweepstakes, tying the digital flywheel to all marketing touch points for Tivana. That's what I did. Through business case creation, including data analysis and cross-functional leadership, that's how I did it, I produced over $150,000 in online sales, 2 million sweepstake entries with over 100,000 incremental email registrations. And those are the results. If you follow this formula, you will have your hard skills and your soft skills on your resume and your LinkedIn, and you will be telling the recruiter and anybody that's interviewing you a story by walking them through what you did, how you're able to do that, and then the results. So now it's time to bring it together. You have your hard skills, you got your soft skills, you're using the storytelling formula to tie the hard and soft skills together. So now that we've done all of the upfront work needed, and let me remind you, that work that you've just done around the hard skills, the soft skills, and building out your LinkedIn and resume with the content that you have, is going to take the most amount of time and it's going to be the most frustrating aspect of it. But the moment that you're able to accomplish that, everything else is just easy. It's like gravy. So let's look at LinkedIn versus your resume. LinkedIn is essentially an extension of your resume. So with thinking of that, I would do this first. Why would I do this first? Because I would write as much about my experiences, including all major experiences that I had. Now, a rule of thumb for LinkedIn, I would use no longer than two to three sentences per experience. Now, that doesn't mean that you only get two to three bullet points per job or per internship. That means that per bullet point, I would only give two to three sentences because you don't want to overshare, but you want to be able to storytell to the point where they understand what you went through. They understood what hurdles you had to jump over. And now they're saying, wow, you still pulled off these results with all of these things that were combating against what you were trying to achieve. 
as I mentioned, y'all, there's more space, which gives you more uh, more storytelling. So if you think about it, your resume is printed on paper, but LinkedIn is a social media site. You have so much space to work with. So allow yourself to be able to show off who you are, showcase your personal brand, storytell within those experiences. So the recruiter and the hiring manager knows exactly what they're about to get. Lastly, remember, this is social media. You need to engage. You need to be social. This is what's going to make you marketable and add to your personal brand. There are multiple articles, posts, opinionated posts that come out on LinkedIn. Take that as an opportunity to showcase what you know. There's an article that comes out on digital marketing. Feel free to comment on it. Feel free to repost it with a little bit more added onto it. Your thoughts. Allow thought leaders within the industry to know that you are thinking about the industry holistically. And again, this just makes you more marketable and is going to continue to add to your personal brand as a professional. Now, when it comes to your resume, this is a condensed version of LinkedIn. I would legitimately only keep it to one to one and a half pages maximum. The moment you go over one and a half pages is the moment that the recruiter, the recruiter or the hiring manager is going to take a look at your resume and toss it right out because there's way too much going on. And for someone who's early in their career, I call it four years um, removed from college or less, then you don't need to have more than one and a half pages. Now, when you start moving into the executive roles is when we could start talking about having more than one and a half pages. But until then, let's try to keep it condensed to one and one, one to one and a half. The way that I keep this condensed is I take the top three to five experiences from my, my three most recent roles. The reason I do this is because when recruiters are looking at your resume, they don't care about what you did when you were 16 or what you were doing when you were in high school with your first job. What they care about is what you've done recently. Over the last couple of years, what have you done? What have you learned? How have you brought that, that new thinking into your new jobs? And by having your three most recent roles, they're going to understand what you've been able to do in the most recent time versus looking all the way back to what you were doing when you were 16. Lastly, I would include a link to my LinkedIn. As mentioned on the, on the left side of this slide, LinkedIn has more space, more, and which inevitably means more storytelling. You want to leave the recruiter or the hiring manager with such a great resume that they want to learn more about you, that they're very intrigued by you. And by having a damn good resume and, and your uh, link to the LinkedIn on your resume, you're now allowing that recruiter or HR manager to say, wow, this person's amazing. I want to learn more. And then they could go to your LinkedIn. And if we follow this formula here, they'll be able to learn more about you, learn more about your storytelling, learn more about what you've had to go through in order to accomplish your results. And it'll just help make you a little bit more marketable. So I've interviewed Howard Behar, who is a founding president of Starbucks International for the Millennial Way. And he told me that luck is where opportunity and preparation meet. So opportunity kind of comes about whenever. We don't know when opportunities are going to come about. But the one thing that we can always do is stay prepared. Now, how do we stay prepared, Chase? Now, that's easy. With Warren Buffett and a pencil, that's all you need to prioritize. Prioritization is going to be the first aspect of being prepared when it comes to waiting for that opportunity to come. I have another exercise for you. We're going to go through Warren Buffett's 525 strategy. So what we're going to do first, you need to bring out pencil and paper. Get from behind your computer screen and grab a pencil and paper. And write. Yes, write. Do not type this. Write down your top 25 goals. After this, 
I want you to draw a circle around your top five goals. And your top 25 goals could be personal, they could be financial, they could be career-wise, but they just need to be your top 25 goals that you are thinking about today. Now, after you draw that circle around your top five, you need to focus on those top five goals and say no to the rest. Why? This allows you to stay focused on those goals. When you have all these different things going on in your head, different goals that you want to achieve, different dreams that you want to go after, you have to remember that those are all taking away time and time is the one precious um, time is the one precious thing that we have on this earth that we are never given back. So by writing down your top 25 goals and circling your top five, it allows you to focus and it allows you to visually understand that you're going to be focusing. But we also need to know that priorities are what matters most to you today. Priorities are going to change, especially with life. And that's just okay. At, your, at this point in time in your life, majority of us are thinking about where am I moving? What company am I going to start, start off with? What position am I, am I going to start off with? What's my salary look like? What does my work-life balance look like? Am I going to be able to grab happy hour with friends? But say 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road from now, you have children or you have a partner. Priorities are going to change. So what I like to do is I like to revisit these priorities on a cadence. You get to set the cadence for yourself, whether it's daily, whether it's weekly, whether it's monthly, whether it's quarterly or yearly, you get to set that cadence and you get to adjust your priorities as needed. Because life changes and because life happens, it's okay to change your priorities and always remember that, but continue to go through the Warren Buffett 525 stra uh, strategy and write down your top 25 goals at that time circle your top five, and then continue to revisit those every quarter, every month, every week, whatever your cadence looks like, and make sure that you're always going back and making sure that you're working towards achieving your goals. So now that we know what's important to us, it is time to take action. What action? Networking, baby. So networking equals building your village. So I have a quote from you guys from my mother. So my mother always said, it takes a village to achieve your goals. You can do it alone, but doing it alone will always take longer, takes more effort, and frankly, it's boring. Now, that's a quote from my mother, Elisa Coleman, who is a, the director of radiology at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. So networking is important for many, many reasons. First off, you can meet people in various roles throughout various industries. LinkedIn, the power of social media, allows you to meet anyone, not only within this country, not only within this continent, but within this globe. And you can truly meet anybody that's from an associate level all the way up to a general manager or CEO level through any industry that you really want to, as long as you continue to stay uh, diligent with it. Your network is essentially what will land you your job. I can't tell you guys how many times I have gotten a position because of my network. Yes, your hard skills and your soft skills are going to be what takes you there. But through your network, that's what's going to get your resume at the top of the pile. That's what's going to get you first in to meet with the hiring manager. And that's what's also going to inevitably get you each role that you want. Networking is also another way on how you meet mentors, how you meet advocates, and how you're going to meet friends with similar passions. Some of my best friends that I have today that I've met in my uh, professional life have all come from networking, going out to different bars, going to networking events, you know, young professionals of Seattle, for example, and going to meet these people who have very similar passions, very similar goals, and understanding that we align, we should be friends. So what I have for you guys is six quick steps on networking with LinkedIn. So always remember, the key to networking is being yourself, being open to opinions and others' ideas and etiquette. 
if I find one of you guys watch this webinar and then hit on somebody on LinkedIn, whether it's a man or a woman, and you are using the platform for the wrong reasons, then you didn't get anything out of this webinar. But etiquette is huge when it comes to networking with LinkedIn. And this is why. So first off, we're going to start here. Using your priorities, research the companies that you're interested in on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has so many filters now. You could filter by salary. You could filter by location. You could filter by job level where it's associate, senior associate, director, VP, executive, many different things that you could do. Even You can even filter by industry. Use those filters and look at your priorities and research those companies that are, you are interested on LinkedIn. Next, you want to find people within that company on LinkedIn. It's honestly best to find a second or third connection or someone who is linked to you in some type of way. This could be a graduate of your alma mater, a friend of a friend, even maybe one of your parents' friends, or someone of, of that sort who can also help give you an introduction. My third tip is going to be connect with them on LinkedIn. Now, don't just hit connect and pray that they accept. Nobody wants to see, oh, this college student is just reaching out to me. I bet they want a recommendation. What you want to do is you want to send them a quick message introducing yourself and why you'd like to connect with them. For example, say, hi, Joe, Tim, Tom, whatever your name is. I'm Chase Coleman. I'm a senior at Stetson University, and I found your profile and career journey very interesting. Starbucks is a company I'd love to work for, for many, many reasons, and I was hoping we could connect to discuss your experience further. Cheers, Chase. Short, quick, to the point, and get, lets them know that I am looking for advice. I'm not necessarily looking for a job. It may give them, you know, they may be thinking about, hey, is this person looking for a job? Does this person just want to understand my journey? But by sending that over, it at least gives them a little bit more of a context of what you, it is that you're looking for and why you're connecting with them. Lastly, friends and connections are a great way to connect with people. If they are able to make an introduction for you and do not be scared to reach out to people and ask for an introduction, uh, particularly if they know that person, because what that does is it puts down that guard of somebody having to meet somebody new. Now they're meeting somebody that is familiar to them and they will feel more open to actually connect with you. So that way you just never know where that, that connection can end up taking you. And then after that, you're going to want to build rapport. This is the first thing, first things first when it comes down to sales, when it comes to recruitment, when it comes to anything around your soft skills within corporate America, you have to build rapport. So once you're connected, it's important you message that person that you just connected with. Start by asking simple questions to build rapport with that person. For example, hi, Joe, I see you work for the Seattle Mariners. I saw on the news today that the AMs are back at full capacity. How are you and how are things going in your world? Ensure that they know you are not just trying to sell a product or use them for something. Once rapport is built, you should actually set up time with them to have a phone call or coffee chat. Now, the reason that I say these last two bullet points is because while you're not trying to sell a product to them, there are many other people on LinkedIn who are. You don't want to be seen as one of those people. You want to stand out as a college graduate, as a young professional. You don't want to be caught into these sales meetings or in these sales messages. So let them know that you're not trying to sell, sell a product or just use them for something and that you're genuinely just asking for advice. Once you're able to build a little bit of rapport after maybe a couple messages back and forth, getting to know each other a little bit, it's always easier to talk over the phone because you're able to gauge how that person is feeling. You can read the room a little bit better with that person when you're talking to them, and you might be able to get a little bit more out of them. Whereas when they're typing out a message to you, it's very easy to backtrack and backspace and delete 
um, part of that message, it's easy to be a little bit more careful with your words. And when it comes to networking, particularly on LinkedIn, you want to gain connections that feel like friends. Now, for number five, after you've built that rapport, now is when it's time to start asking for advice on jobs and career. This might take a day, this might take a week, this might take a couple weeks, but this person is now invested in you. So by this point, you've already expressed your interest in the company in various positions that you've been able to find on LinkedIn. It is appropriate to ask for advice on how to get into the company and position it so it's truly asking for advice and not a what can you do for me. Don't automatically ask for a referral. Don't automatically ask, hey, can you get me into this company? But instead, position it where it's what do I need to do in order to get in here and how can you help me navigate this? So naturally, that person that you're speaking with is going to give you, give you some advice and will also go above and beyond to help you, whether that's a recommendation, entering your resume in the system, putting your resume on the, on the hiring manager or HR uh, manager's desk. When you're able to build rapport with someone and create something that feels like a friendship, even if you haven't met them face-to-face -face yet, naturally they're going to go above and beyond for you. And then lastly, apply for those jobs. Through your conversations with your connections, you will now have a good understanding of what positions you can apply for, what companies are looking for and more, and you will feel a lot more comfortable walking into your interviews as well as sending in your application for that position. So I have four quick LinkedIn tips for you. I know I just gave you six on networking, but these are just general LinkedIn tips. Number one, now this is research that I've done on my own, but on average with every 30 people that you reach out to, 15 are going to accept that connection six to eight of them will actually respond to your message and three to five of them will have a call over the phone or meet for coffee if they're willing to meet. Two, do not ask for a recommendation on the first conversation. If you do that, you will deter that person away from even responding to you. LinkedIn has this, this feature that allows you to look at a job, click on it, and then ask for a recommendation immediately with a common connection. Do not use that aspect of LinkedIn. It is the worst aspect of LinkedIn because it is so ingenuine. It is so unpersonal, unpersonable. And one thing that I always like to think of is, would you actually say this in real life? If you're walking down the street and you saw somebody walk out of, I'm going to use Starbucks as an example, the Starbucks corporate head office, and you are looking for a position there, would you just walk up to a random person, hand them your resume and say, could I have a recommendation? If the answer is yes, then we might need to have a different conversation. The answer should be no. And if you're not going to do it in real life, there's no reason for you to do it over LinkedIn. Third, remember that etiquette is key. As I talked about earlier, etiquette is so key when it comes to LinkedIn. The nicer you are, the more cordial you are, the more genuine you are, the more someone is willing to do for you. Again, think as if you're speaking to them in person. Type as if you are yourself. You want to be genuinely you within your messages. Sure, you're going to have to be a little bit more professional than you might have to be every single day. But remember that this is something that you're going to have to get used to as you continue to transition into corporate America. Etiquette is going to be key. And then lastly, when searching for those connections, add manager and director level professionals or even associate level pro professionals. Why? Because these are people who can directly hire you. They could tell you tactically how the interviews are conducted and what to watch out for. They, they can literally give you the interview questions. And then lastly, they can introduce you to others who can hire you or help you out. Say that you end up meeting a hiring manager that's not hiring at the, at the current time. However, they have friends who are at the same position as them across many different companies. If they see you as a high potential 
young professional coming in right out of college or you know one to two years removed from college they will refer you to their friends and think about it if they're referring you it's just as good as getting an internal referral because those those are now their friends that they're talking to and then lastly i have some quick COVID 19 tips for you so sure COVID-19 has sucked. It's been like a year and three months, four months that we've been going through this. But honestly, this is the perfect time to network and build relationships. If me, if I can get a new role within this environment, then you most definitely can. So first things first, virtual interview tips, dress for success. There's a saying in corporate America that says dress for the role that you want, not the role that you have, meaning dress for that job that you want to get next if you want to be the next ceo dress like the ceo if you want to be a director dress like a director if you want to be an analyst your entire life dress like an analyst but when it comes to virtual interviewing i've heard stories from my friends where they have been virtually interviewed and they've had to stand up and do a full 360 to see if they're wearing pants make sure you put on pants the last thing that you want is to go through an interview kill the interview and then the last question that the recruiter has for you is can you please stand up and do a full 360 and they find out that you weren't fully prepared because all you had on was a short and some boxers or a shirt and some boxers next you need to maintain your routine as if you had to go into an office i understand that a lot of us have gotten used to the work from home environment and now have brand new routines but if you haven't been in the work from home environment maintain that routine as if you had to go into an office wake up at the same time go to bed at the same time do the same things that you do in the morning, whether it's shower, brush your teeth, brush your hair, um, you know, get dressed, feel as if you're going into the office and it's going to help you take your mind away from, oh, I'm at home and put yourself into, oh, I'm at work mode. Third, always have three to five questions ready to ask. Most interviews that I've gone through, if it ends up being a good conversation with the interviewer, you end up only getting to ask maybe one to two questions at the end. Now, one thing that ends up happening often is that you end up running out of time and the interviewer will be, all right, we're out of time. I'm really sorry. Do you have any questions? Yes, you should always at least ask one question. If you don't, that is a deterrent for all HR managers and hiring managers. Make sure that you ask a question. I always have three to five ready to ask. You can, you wanna tailor your questions around things that you are genuinely curious about, whether it's within the team, whether it's within the company culture or whether it's about the leader. And you always need to have questions ready to ask to show that you are prepared and ready to go for this. Next, you want to um, let that recruiter know that you've connected with someone. So if you've connected with someone internally in that company, let that person know. Let them know that you know them. That gives you a leg up above other people who do not know these people. And that actually gives you another opportunity to storytell. Hey, recruiter. I never met Joe before, but I met Joe via LinkedIn when I was talking to him about just the company in general, and he let me know X, Y, and Z. I would be curious to understand your thoughts on this. That's just an example, but make sure that you name drop. It's never a bad thing. It can only do you good if you name drop. And then lastly, be yourself. Let your personality shine. As I mentioned, the Starbucks HR manager that I talked to said that the number one thing that they're looking for in an entry level position when they're recruiting is, is this person a cultural fit? Be yourself, let your personality shine and show them that you are a cultural fit. And if you're not a cultural fit, it's probably be beneficial for both you and the company that you don't end up working there because you might end up being miserable. They might not get the productivity out of you and then ends up in a bad relationship and nobody wants to get there. 
So on the right hand side, I have some companies hiring. This is uh, recent data as of May 2021. These companies still have full time positions open. This is for uh, corporate offices and field offices. This is not for hourly positions. So this is for actual salary positions. So take a look through there. And if any of them actually um, pique your interest, feel free to start going through the exercises that we that we've talked about today. And now that you have the tools, let's recap. Hard skills and soft skills are both equally as important. Storytelling is how you showcase your skills and your experiences on LinkedIn and your resume. Using the storytelling formula, craft your LinkedIn and resume. And remember, start with your LinkedIn first. Set your priorities. The 525 rule, thanks to Warren, is going to help us all achieve our goals and be very focused when it comes down to that. We also wanna start networking with our priorities top of mind. They always have to be top of mind when we end up networking because that's what is going to help us achieve our goals and remain focused. Six, networking is what allows me to understand the job market. It allows me to understand how companies hire and it allows me to understand what positions I'm qualified for and what will be fulfilling for me. I think what will be fulfilling for me is one of the most important things in corporate America because we hear about burnout often. And the burnout ends up coming because people aren't feeling fulfilled from their positions. So what we need, what I need all of you guys to do is network and understand what will fulfill you. Is it research? Is it pulling together business cases? Is it presenting? Is it doing a marketing plan? Figure out what's going to be fulfilling and go attack that with full tenacity. And lastly, shameless plug. If you enjoyed my, this webinar, go subscribe to The Millennial Way. You're here on YouTube. You're here on the podcast already. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and make sure that you continue to share this with your friends. Because as I said at the beginning, this is all content that I think we all needed, whether we're just now graduating college or whether we know others who are, graduate, who are just graduated or now graduating. So let's stay connected. I got a TikTok. We've got, we're just over 11.3 thousand followers on TikTok at The Millennial Way. Go follow us on Instagram and on YouTube at underscore Millennial Way. And then I put my LinkedIn, my email on there as well. There's the podcast. And then as you guys know, I've been working on a book and that book is slated to come out in fall 2022 on starting your career. We'll talk about the first 90 days. We'll talk about the 90 days after that. We'll talk about moving and grooving through different departments, different companies, how to move around. And it'll be a lot, a lot of fun. And then lastly, y'all, ask me anything. Feel free to email me, DM me on Instagram or TikTok for any additional help or advice. I personally love working with students and young professionals. It is something that I am so passionate about. I've been doing it for the last five years, and it is what truly brings me joy. So thank you all. Y'all are awesome. Let's go get this bread, and let's go get these jobs. I love y'all. Y'all have a great day. I'll see you guys back here next Wednesday for another episode of The Millennial Way, and we will continue to rock and roll. Go Mercury.